Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am Andy Ruther, coming to you live from the Smut Shack in Venice Beach, California, with my co-host, Joey No Chill Prano. I think I'm going to be Joey Chill Prano tonight. It sounds like it's uh, Andy, Andy No Hot Chill Ruther. Ruther tonight. That voice that just chimed in is the uh, voice of our guest. It is becoming an annual tradition for you to be here on the eve of opening of day. Of opening day. I'm traditional. I'm a the, traditional uh, guest. The uh, manager, uh, former first baseman turned DH of the gays, Andy Lazarus. What up, fam? What up, Welcome dirt balls? Back. Have you been Good to be back? Show? Have you been on the show since last opening day? Uh, did we do one in the midseason? I felt like we did like an like an NBA final show. With you me. for oh, yeah, sure yeah. come on during the NBA yeah. being a Bay Area guy. Yeah, for sure. And the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Good to be back. The Smut Shack looks incredible. Ruther. It's now the nice Smut job. Studio. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I, I see you guys on YouTube now. You're coming yeah. up. I can't take all the credit. Uh, this, this was a YouTube's a free platform, by the way. You can just put yourself on there. I know. <laughs> I understand, but you're still coming up. You're coming up. This, yeah. was a, this was a combo effort. Prano's good at the. Uh, the des- I, is it the design or the placement? Art decoration. Yeah, the, uh, I'm. Uh, yeah, he's got it, an eye it, for these things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did he put Harambe over your bed? He actually did. I did technically, yeah. but, but it was not, my. That, idea. that wasn't my choice. Yeah. but uh, <laughs> I, I I was tall enough to nail it up there for yeah. Ruther. <laughs> you didn't have to. You didn't have to. Uh, so you basically he didn't have to get his puppies up on the, the smudge shack. Fact. Yeah. Yeah. All facts. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, it looks great. Well, thank you. Yeah, and 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 it's still a work in progress. We're still working on some things. Speaking of that, before we get into the show, yes. I think we need to update all the dirt balls of someone we're trying to get into the smudge shack. Who slid into the dirty sports DMs the other day? Slid in, Ooh. slid right in. The little smoke screen slide. We put out the bat signal to the dirt ball. Somebody we wanted on four twenty. That somebody, Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams slid into our DMs. Ricky Williams wanted m- former Heisman Trophy winner turned cannabis activist slash yogi slash tarot card reader slash astrologist, astrologist, and a photographer and I photographer. Think. Yeah. So Ricky Williams hit us up on DM, and he said, I want some more info on this 420 show. Can you email me? And I emailed Ricky Williams. You better get that fucking weed pen working before Ricky comes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's going to be very disappointed in you. So, guys. Smoke, Ricky. Smoke. <laughs> keep tweeting at Ricky Williams. His Twitter handle, again, is Ricky the, the Laureate. Ricky the Laureate. Or, no, Rick the Laureate. At Rick. Oh, it's just Rick the Laureate? Rick, 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 Rick. I feel like a laureate is a, like a is an like, academic type. Yeah, like a Nobel laureate. Ooh. So it's spelled Rick, Rick. the L A U R E A T E. Rick yeah. the laureate. So keep tweeting at Ricky Williams because guys, Adam. if we get by the Ri- way, Rick the laureate sounds like the worst rapper in like the eighties. <laughs> like I'm Rick the laureate. He's like that's like, funny. I'm just like Rick the ruler. So <laughs> you already lost the battle. <laughs> we haven't even started yet, but. Fantastic uh, football player and uh, fantastic weed smoker. Uh, yeah, uh, cannabis activist. Yeah, Rick yeah. the Laureate. Yeah. When I saw that, I, I had missed the DMs that day, and I saw it about twelve hours later. I was like, "Whoa, Ricky Williams sliding in." Sounds like he's interested. So, guys, you did your job before. 
Please do it again. Yeah, keep on them. Way keep to go, him. dirt balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm also fired up about this Xavier thing. I mean, you, we were yeah. talking. Yeah, Can we were, get it out of the way? You got to yeah. check out, guys. Check out the pre-show because Ruther was so fired up in the pre-show. He had three misfires <laughs> to the opening of the show. <laughs> the, the, the yeah, and I had work. a misfire too. He couldn't get the show started because he's so fired up about Ruther. What are you fired up about? Yeah, I'm fired up about Chris Mack leaving Xavier. This is like, I mean, this is the Xavier coach. Xavier. It's not Xavier. (laughs) Fucking pronounce it right. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. I mean, why why did he leave Xavier? I heard it was for more money. And you're you're pissed because he went to Xavier and then he left Xavier. His alma Dude, if you say Xavier one more time, I'm gonna go Xavier McDaniel on your fucking face. This is this you didn't know who Xavier McDaniel was until three minutes ago. Yeah. I'm the one who said or it's pronounced Xavier. I'm the yeah. one who said it was pronounced Xavier McDaniel, not Xavier McDaniel. Uh, I didn't hear that. It's on the pre-show. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll check it out. This is what I'm pissed what about. I'm calling bullshit. Look, <laughs> I understand coaches leave for more money. Well, mm-hmm. actually, I, let me correct you before you continue. Everybody leaves everything <laughs> yeah. for more money. Not coaches, not athletes, not fucking lawyers. That's not necessarily true. Garbage man. That's not not necessarily true. You know who a former Xavier player who's taken repeated pay cuts to play on teams to win for titles? David West. Yeah, at the end of his career. Yeah. So he took a pay cut still to go to San Antonio. After he's made $70 million. Then to go to Golden State, he still took a pay cut. That still debunks your theory. This is what I'm mad about. Mm. Chris Mack is a Cincinnati native. He didn't take a pay cut to stay in fucking New Orleans, by the way. Yeah, no, he didn't do that. Okay, I'm also citing examples when he... That's not the fucking point, He's a Cincinnati native. Where is your boy... Who left Cincinnati for more money? Where is your boy's loyalty to the team that drafted him, that gave him his shot in the NBA? Yeah. he's just ring chasing around the NBA? (laughs) What kind of fucking... Where... Do they not teach loyalty at Xavier? (laughs) Fuck you. <laughs> but Fuck that's you. what you're all fired up about, right? You're fired yeah, up about some pissed. loyalty. Let issue. me fucking say my goddamn point. Okay, what's your point? This is my point, all right? Okay. Chris Mack got to Xavier nine years ago. Mm-hmm. He's a Cincinnati alumni. Or he's from Cincinnati. He's a Xavier alumni, I should say. He's a St. Xavier alumni in my high school, so he graduated from my high school, too. Xavier now is in the Big East. They were a number one seed this year. They have... Repeatedly made deep runs in the tournament before him, during him, and hopefully after him, right? They're nationally televised games now because the Big East has a deal with Fox. You're leaving your alma mater. I get more money. You're also, though, going to a school that's minimum right now, minimum, two years probation. They can't make the tournament. Louisville can't make the tournament for two years. Mm -hmm. To go 90 miles south, dude, and that's part of it, too. You're not going that far away. Where's your Where's your fucking loyalty, dude? You, well, you, you, didn't he, his wife go to Louisville? No, his wife's from Louisville, but he's he's too much of a pussy because he knows he fucking choked. You saw, I don't know if you, did you see the end of that Xavier game? Oh, the big man shooting a three. He didn't he didn't coach their last two games well. He got out coached by fucking Jay Wright, and to me, he's running away like so, a little fucking bitch. So you're upset that a guy that didn't coach well that blew the one seed is leaving. I'm upset at the lack of fucking loyalty. That so all, you should hold on. That all these guys, dude. Again, my point was this: name an name an instance. What what are you doing? I'm, I'm... <laughs> Cash runs everything around me. 
keep talking, but the fact is, I'm, I'm putting a little soundtrack to the only thing that is part of this story. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Fuck you. I can never. So you know he what? should he should coach Xavier for the rest of his life? I'm not saying that, guys. But what if he left three years from now? Oh, motherfuck him. No loyalty. I'm saying name an instance because none of you guys can. Name an instance where a guy went to coach a major college football or basketball program in their hometown and they're an, and they're an alumni from that school left. Just name an instance. You but, can't but do you, it. How but, about you name Brent, an instance? Yeah, yeah, like you Brent. name an instance where anybody in the world cared about that until right but, now. But but also, there's a reason why that's that hasn't happened. Or and I'm sure, first of all, I'm sure it has happened. Yeah, I'm sure. Fred, Fred Hoiberg did it with Iowa State when he went let, when he left Iowa State to go coach the Bulls. Yeah, I think John, that's to go pro. I think, you I think didn't John name Wooden that did instance. it when he left Purdue. You didn't name that fucking instance. But, this is my point. On, this is why I'm worked up. No, name an instance where a coach has left as an alumni to stay within the college sphere. That's like John fucking, that's like Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan to go coach at fucking Penn State. That's the point I'm trying to make. Okay, but the, <laughs> point, right. the point you're trying to make is that... A guy shouldn't leave his alma mater. It's like guys leave should like yeah no know, matter John what. Should Calipari be coaching at like UNC Wilmington right now? Is that like the answer? Is that where he should be? No, because you're not listening to what I'm saying. I gave all those parameters a major college program. But you're also you're, you're like we don't know the answer because you're the only one that's like, ever cared that, about that put this. like eleven different things yeah. together. Yeah. And we're like a major what? college program at his alma at his alma mater, mater college program to go to another college program top like, five I, conference. Let me ask you a question right now. If fucking Xavier is like, we want to replace our guy who left with Dan D'Antoni, should he fucking stay at Marshall? Like he's a fucking Marshall alum. He should stay at fucking Marshall because he has loyalty. He should stay like the, the, it's it's literally just about money. Yeah. It's all it's about. And there that, is no conspiracy. And that's fine. And that's my point. There's zero fucking loyalty with these guys. That's all I'm saying. Also, he got paid oh, okay. four million dollars. Well, we're, we're all on the same page. He got paid four million dollars to not live in Cincinnati. <laughs> Everyone would take that deal. Fuck you, guys. Get out of the smut shack. Get out of the smut shack. Get out of the smut shack. Andy Ruther's apartment, which also not in Cincinnati. <laughs> Ruther left for nothing. Ruther didn't even get yeah. a $4 million deal. I didn't get offered money. How much did they offer you for your first job at, in Vegas? You're like, I'll leave Cincinnati for Ruther free. Left, Ruther left for $23,000. <laughs> no, like, I'm out of here, motherfucker. I can tell you. My first, See ya. My first job as a teacher, it was for $27,000 with a $3,000 signing. If I got a, you got a signing bonus, three thousand yeah. dollars signing bonus. I'm not, I'm not lying. Legit. So my first job as a teacher at, for, in Clark County was for a th- little over thirty grand. L- Ruther literally looked at a check for thirty thousand dollars and he was like, "Take your chili, shove it up your ass." <laughs> <laughs> Later, fools! I'm going to Vegas. Later, Vegas, baby. Well, first of all, I was living in St. Louis at the time. Yeah. So you know, Same I just you fucking you, you yeah. turned and walked away you from Mama Mater. Like, nobody's fucking business. Yeah. That's not comparable. That's just that's a different scenario. You're right. It is a different scenario. But like, literally, the only people who are upset about this are Xavier fans, and like, it happens all the time, guys. But not in the situation that I created. Right. Well, we we don't know. I think you might have created that. We don't know. There's probably there's probably somebody out there who's going like the fucking Providence coach left. God damn it. 
I'm just saying, he's an alumni. I mean, they I, were a number one seed. It's 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 not like he's leaving a, a shit mid-major program. No, you're right. And honestly, I I can assure you one thing. I can assure you one thing. If Santa Monica Community College offered him twelve million dollars, he'd be he coaching there right now. He'd yep. be like, junior college, that's for me. You got so, it. He'd be like, Southern California, my grandmother lives in Southern California. He had some fucking excuse. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's just money. It's money. Yeah, and they doubled his salary. Is that all life's about, guys? Yeah. Just money? Well, Plus, he's going to Louisville. Well, all those I mean, whores. I don't know. We're doing a podcast. in the. It's, it's me, you, Laz, and three fucking scooters you're charging to make yeah. fucking money today. Like, we're living in a room with scooters. It's about money. It's the thust. He just, basically, you're upset because your le- college basketball you coach thusted on your face. He thusted the <laughs> shit out of you. He was like, he literally walked out going, thust, 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 thust. Yeah, and you're like, we're not done. He's like, oh, yeah, we're done. Ugh. Well, done. And his wife's from Louisville or some yeah. shit like that, right? Let Isn't that go. what he said? It's 90 miles away. It's right? like you can't go down there. Yeah, well, guess what? She can buy a house that's real nice there for fucking $4 million a year. Yep. And get herself she's a not horse. in Cincinnati. We're going to have a fucking horse in the Derby in a couple years. And he can get horse. It's be called Thust. I hope he gets in a wreck driving down I-71. See, that's fuck just- you, Chris Mack. <laughs> you fucking Benedict Arnold fuck. I hope they never serve you at Skyline or Gold Star again. I want to pour a fucking Honestly, bowl I, of Gold Star on your fucking face, I you actually, bald fuck. I actually like this guy because he's got you so fired up. And I also hope that they never serve you that chili again. <laughs> yeah, because you'll live longer. <laughs> And the worst part of it all is this. Do you think the horses that are in the stables at Churchill Downs eat better or worse food than they serve at Skyline Chili? <laughs> better. Yeah, I think so. 100%. Too. Fucking organic carrots and shit. Yeah. Apples, carrots, sugar cubes. <laughs> <laughs> so pissed. I am pissed and I am bitter. <laughs> and also, I know that. I'm openly saying and that. Also, it's sad. And also, your coach, you said, got. Is owned got by Jay Wright. Blew a fucking one seed. Good riddance. Yeah. You don't need him. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I'm yeah. not saying it for you. I'm just you know, saying, I do like, need, though. You know who's gone? The, the silver lining and all this that's the most disappointing part. He's taking Bill Murray's kid with him on his staff. He? So now Bill Murray, no longer at Xavier Games, he'll be wearing oh, Louisville Why gear. didn't you start with that news, you yeah, fucking that's clown? That's something to be upset that's about. That's actually something to be upset about. <laughs> yeah. Bill Murray's no longer going to I Xavier didn't hear about games? this in the pre-show or anything. That's yeah, why he's in all these games? Yeah, his son's yeah. the assistant coach. See, lead with he, the fucking... Ruther, we got to get you Buried the, the lead. There. Yeah, seriously. No more Bill Murray. So now Bill Murray's going to be at whose games? He'll be at Louisville Games Louisville. now. Yeah, fuck, I love that. With the whores. Yeah, oh my God, Bill Murray in Louisville? I might move to Louisville. You see my point, though? Come on. Well, now you should, again, you That was never your point. (laughs) Your point was about alma maters and loyalty. loyalty. And how dare you leave Cincinnati for $4 million. What's where the everybody would do that. What's the difference between four million in Louisville and one point seven million at Xavier? Is there really that in Cincinnati? Two point three million dollars. Uh, a lot. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I was I'm living. Major, in, I'm living in one shithole with some money and one shithole with a lot more money, <laughs> significantly more. Yeah, more than double. Yeah, plus the whores. Yeah, them Louisville whores. Think about it this way: if he took. One dollar more than he was getting paid at Xavier. Stop saying Xavier and, just to piss me off because it is pissing and me off. Spent the rest on whores. 
he would literally be able to fuck a whore every second of the day that he's not coaching basketball for the rest of his life. Yeah, I'm not sure if the math works out on that, I'm but it sounds sure, right. I'm pretty sure it does. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it does. $2.299999 million yeah. dollars times divided by Louisville whore prices? How yeah. long would that take? A while. Quite yeah. a while. Look, quite a while. I know I shouldn't be this worked up, but I've been really fucking pissed because there was a good chance that this was going to happen. Did this happen today? It happened yesterday. I'm still so you've pissed. been pissed for 24 hours. I called yeah. my dad to bitch about it. Yeah, and then yeah. and then I called later. I called my house again because I had to talk to my mom about something. And then I started bitching to my mom about it. And she's like, "Oh, you know, how are you feeling about Xavier's coach?" I was like, "Well, you didn't talk to dad." So then I went off to my mom about it. How'd she feel about it? By the way, she it, just sat there in silence as the I way, ranted. By the way, Andy did not go to Xavier. So in case you're wondering about loyalty. Doesn't give a fuck about slew basketball. Yeah, it's all worked up about fucking Xavier basketball. My dad went to Xavier. I, 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 would, I don't remember you being this fired up when fucking Rick Majerus took a better right. offer by, from the sky. Yeah, you know what I mean. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. Because re- I've already said this. I don't remember you being a giant Larry Hughes fan. <laughs> I got his jersey. It's it's, it's going to be do framed you? next to Harambe. No, I do not. Yeah. Exactly. Well, sorry, Xavier. You lost a great man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm available, Xavier. I've been going to games since I was eight imagine, years old. Yeah. Can you imagine if that was their move? <laughs> they lost their coach and they went with the Ruther. And what would be described as, at best, a lateral move? <laughs> I think I could coach Xavier, Xavier to a fucking tournament next year. Okay. Xavier is I'm, hiring. I'm certain you could not. I think I, I think I could coach Xavier to the tournament next year. Okay. I show up to. I show up. To, I mean, what's the difference? They all they all use a two three defense anyway. You know, you could probably figure that out. Fucking Bayheim and Georgetown and Duke, you know, you don't have to be that smart. You could do it. See, exactly. You could do it. Are you guys watching I'd the be, final? I'd be become a huge Xavier fan if you're the coach. <laughs> it's not E G G S A V. I'm pretty sure it's E X Xavier. Fucking Xavier. Well, certainly at Z A V I R. Yeah, it's not Xavier. I hate you guys. I hate you both. You know, if you were this worked up about something, Prano, I would just let you do your thing. I, and we are letting you do your thing. That, this yeah. is the beauty of it. That's is, the, well, yeah. the only problem is the thing has holes. You know, <laughs> many, your, your thing, many your thing holes. Has many, many there holes. are no holes. You can't name an alma mater at a big program that left for a school that was on probation. You're, Those are all factors. You're, you're going to need to write that down on a <laughs> yeah, whiteboard yeah. for me to and figure And we're going to need little, yeah. little strings to yeah. tie all the, the parties together, like it's a fucking be murder, like a murder mystery. Yeah. It's going to be like the yeah. wire. Yeah. This is going to be like that, that gif of the guy trying to figure everything out. Yeah. I got a lot of. It wasn't a very specific (laughs) GIF reference, but there's a bunch of that GIF of the guy trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, you know, with the math and shit. I'm sure there's a GIF. You're talking about Zach Galifianakis. That's one of them, but then there's another one. There's the Charlie O'Day one from Always Sunny. But then there's a third one too. Beautiful mind. (laughs) Then there's a fourth. There's actually a fourth (laughs) one. Beautiful hunting. Well, the final four is this weekend. I, all I know is let's just move on. All I know let's is, just move on. All I know is you're definitely the gif of the dog and the house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like this is fine. <laughs> I'm looking at Harambe. Please guide me through the rest of this episode. <laughs> final four this weekend. I'm all in on Sister Jean Loyola. As far as that's who I'm rooting for. Sure. Who's not rooting for Sister right. Jean and Loyola? Exactly. Probably last. He's like, oh, I bet heavily against them. Heavily against them this whole time. Are you betting on the tournament? Um, yes. Oh, and I'm let, getting hold on. killed. Hold on. Well, you didn't even know 
it was pronounced Xavier. So that's a start. I didn't. Um, and you were like, I haven't watched them. Are they good? And they were one seed. So yeah, you're yes. you shouldn't be betting on college basketball. No, is I the shouldn't. Answer. I shouldn't. Um, let's go. Let's go but back a little bit because I love I, honestly. And I know you're doing a documentary about the gays mm-hmm. and that I, I can't I'm sure it'll never come out. But if it ever did, <laughs> if it ever did, I would, can't wait to watch it. Yeah. But I think a better last storyline is your gambling ups and downs. <laughs> the last time we really got into it was right around Super Bowl. And you were like, I definitely want to keep betting. But I, but my bookies requiring that I give him funds to in good faith. That's 100%. how much you, that's how much you were down. Well, I had a I had a limit. You had a limit. I, I set a, a limit for myself. Yeah. Which you was, set yes. a personal limit. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't want to get it out of hand. How's it been going since you put that money in his pocket? It was going great. It was going great. Super Bowl was great. Uh-huh. Um cuz uh I bet the Eagles money line. Nice. Yes. Um $2000. Nice. Great. Um, and then when the Warriors were rolling, Reckless. that was great. <laughs> Reckless. Yeah. Yeah. But I bet Edder, the shortstop with the gays. Right. Um, so that was really why I did it. Yeah. I was, I wasn't thinking money line on that. Right. I was thinking that they would, they would keep it within the points, but Edder, he, he got me to do it. Right. I was like, well, fuck you, Edder. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was great. And then he no longer plays for the gays. No, he does. He does. <laughs> he has a Thank significantly God. reduced salary, though. <laughs> now I have a home run bet with Edder. Try to give him his money back. I've got to stay within. I'm plus one and a half home runs for the season. He's got one. I've got zero. So, so you're still up one. You're still up a half. I'm still. Yeah. I'm still alive. You're still leading. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when the Warriors were, um, you know, healthy. Yeah. Warriors in the over. That was great. But the tourney, not been good. Yeah. Not been good. Because I've just been. Well, you didn't know the one games. seed. Yeah. yeah. You also didn't know Xavier's coach's name. Who was a one seed? Yeah. I didn't know Xavier. I didn't know Xavier's coach's name. And I don't, Xavier. I, don't, I, don't, Xavier. I don't follow college basketball, but I'm also smart enough not to bet on college basketball. Yeah. Well, I just need something to do for the tournament. Yeah. You know, I wanted to Are you the touching the final four? Oh, yeah, probably. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> so, what are the matchups, Ruther? We got Loyola Chicago. Yep. Versus Michigan. I believe it's Michigan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't ever say Michigan. The first game, that's uh, three o'clock our time, and then the next game will be Kansas battle of one seeds, Kansas versus Villanova. Okay. Well, the only team I've seen this season at all has been Villanova, and I am impressed with Villanova. They are loaded. Yeah, I, I like their point guard, and I like that six-eight shooter they got. 25 bridges. bridges yeah yeah he's legit I mean, you gotta I think they root, have two you gotta legit be rooting NBA guys. for loyola chicago definitely it's like rooting for them definitely right? like unless what's, unless you're what's the spread an, on that one one of those other three schools is your alma mater yeah you you, you should be rooting for loyola exactly chicago. which i am i'm rooting for loyola chicago i was rooting for maryland county whatever yeah yeah those guys are great is that right. the guy with the little puerto rican yeah i love yeah. that guy so right now michigan is a six-point favorite Against Loyola, oh, and give me the points with Loyola all day, and no, and uh, Villanova is a five. <laughs> point, <laughs> Villanova is a five point favorite. Yeah, I like Kansas. Villanova. I like Villanova to win it all personally. Yeah. They're stacked. They're deep. They hit threes. They got a good coach who's They've got two who NBA stays players. at their school, who doesn't need to leave for bigger schools. Even though not, he's not his alma mater, by the way. Even yeah, though, not, even though he's only the thirty, even though he's only the thirty-second highest. We should find out coach. where Jay Wright went to school. That'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> let's find out where Jay Wright. God, I hope it's Xavier. <laughs> it's not Xavier. It's not. 
Are you? Oh, it is. It is Xavier. You know what you should do though, Lars? Bucknell. He went to Bucknell. Bucknell. He's in the same state as his school. How dare he dick. leave the Patriot League? What a dick! How once could a, he? Once again, Bucknell's not a major program. Well, they might, not, be, they might be. They might be if Jay Wright paradigm. was still coaching there. It'd be like Jay Wright leaving Nova to go coach at Penn State or Temple. Just saying. Well, except that those are both worse programs. Than he's yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd have to go leave for like Georgetown. I like Michigan, by the way, or I like Loyola, by the way, to cover that. You do? I like Loyola. I, I'm rooting for Loyola, but I like Loyola to get blown the fuck out. No. No? No. They got some players, man. I know they have some players. I've watched I like their the point guard. games. Yeah, Custer. Yeah, I like point guard a lot. Um, the old, I don't know. Clay Custer is that yeah. his name? Yeah, is that Clay it? Custer. Yeah, he no. sounds like a NASCAR driver. I like that he wears yeah. thirteen, like Nash, a little white point guard wearing a thirteen. Dirty. Well, that is our college basketball wrap up, and fuck you, Chris Mack, once again. <laughs> How dare you leave Xavier? You <laughs> went to Xavier. Went to my high you school. You went to St. Xavier you know, Episcopal High School. You know, they they it's a Jesuit high school. They they preach the Jesuits preach men for others, be a man for others. Chris Mack is not a man for others. He's a selfish prick. What does that mean, be a man for others? Basically do, be a nice guy. Do service for others. By the way, if there's anything in the world that subscribes to Cash Rules Everything Around Me, Cream Get the Money, Dollar Dollar Billy All, it's the Catholic Church. Holy shit. <laughs> you could become a you could become a fucking cardinal with enough money. Yeah, you can. Do you want to be way. Pope, Ruther? Because you can be Pope. You could do it. You keep thusting. You'll be Pope one day. <laughs> I mean, Jude Law was fucking Pope. So you, you can buy I mean? your way to raping kids. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. All day. You should. You can certainly buy your way, way out of trouble. Can we just get a mini fridge next to the fucking couch? We should get one. Yeah, I'm that's, serious. That's a great idea. Why don't yeah. we just get a mini yeah, fridge next to you? I don't know why. Why don't we? We need to put that on the thust board. Thust. You know what else we should do is we should go to a baseball game soon because opening day is tomorrow and we should get those tickets on SeatGeek. I agree. And I love, Laz, you love Dodger Stadium, right? Eh. All right. You don't love Dodger Stadium? No, I, yeah, I mean, I, I like, do love like, it. Like the actual I, I, I stadium. I love that it, it exists and it's still there. You're, you're like, a Giants fan. Yeah, I'm a Giants fan. That's what I'm saying. Dodgers, I, I get that, but I think, yeah. I think it's Dodger one of the, great. the best stadiums. I love the view. I love Chavez Ravine. Mm-hmm. I think it's gorgeous, especially when you go and the sun setting. And Fun Joe, fact, Dodgers left Brooklyn. <clears throat> anyway, keep going. No, <laughs> no loyalty. But the good news is you can also go up to AT&T and get your tickets on SeatGeek. And Which I, is amazing. Right? And you can right. see exactly where you're going to sit. That's what I love about SeatGeek before you even show up to the ballpark. And this includes all events, guys. Comedy shows, concerts, monster truck rallies, anti-Chris Mack rallies, you name it. Broadway shows. SeatGeek will Musicals. sell the tickets. Exactly. And best of all, and this is good for Louisville people. Louisville basketball games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best of all, all our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. So just download the SeatGeek app and enter our promo code, which is DIRTY today. That's promo code DIRTY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. If you're ever in SeatGeek and you haven't used uh, you haven't used your promo code yet, you're there using your first ticket purchase and you're like, what is their promo code? Just think about how Xavier's coach did them this offseason. DIRTY! Dirty. You're so pissed about this. I'm so mad. I'm so fucking mad. I texted my buddy who went there. 
I think it was Cutter or somebody, or no, maybe it was another college buddy. I said, I said that. I said, I hope he gets in a wreck driving because from Cincinnati, Louisville, it's I seventy one, and people were like, "Dude, chill out, Ruther. Yeah, you're chill wishing, out, Ruther. Fuck him, man. Don't chill out. You've been wronged. <laughs> you deserve vengeance. Thank Stay you hot on this man. Stay hot. Thank Stay you. Hot. Thank How you. dare you yeah. leave Xavier? You should get some of the uh, X Men to fucking yeah. to attack you. Should get like professor your professor Xavier. Xavier. I've already. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that'll be Maddie in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking though this is how fucked up I'm this is how bent out of shape I'm I was thinking about showing up to like a Louisville game and just heckling him like getting a close this is how I've never been this mad about anything you should do uh, that yeah, I you literally should do that I, for sure it's amazing because I, it's gonna make a big difference in his life sometimes he's probably gonna move back to Xavier <laughs> sometimes I feel like you just I feel like you're. I mean, I've talked about your anger problems of, at length, but sometimes I feel like you're just ready to be set off. Like, I feel like if this had caught you on a different day, you'd be like, I get it. They gave him a lot of money. It's Louisville. It's not Xavier. But he catches you at the wrong time. You're like, I'm going to burn his house down. Like, I'm going to games. I'm going to heckle him. And I'm going to burn his house down. And I might cut his brakes. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's what... That's- you're, you're so mad that it, it kind of feels like you've been thinking to yourself, like... In the past three weeks, if this motherfucker leaves for Louisville for more money, I'm just going to fucking snap. I just didn't think he would like do it. It feels a little premeditated to me. The rumors have been there all year. I mean, we absolutely have to move on from this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tr- okay. I mean, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed how hot you were for a while, but we're going on. I mean, what's the time, Rad? Here? We are a half hour in. Yeah, right? we're a half okay. hour in. All we've talked about is Xavier's Xavier. basketball coach. <laughs> All right, you guys talk NBA. I'll sit in the corner. <laughs> you still run the show, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph Curry, <laughs> out. Oh, shit. You're, you're a Warriors uh, guy. Yeah. Prano and I have had this discussion back and forth. I still, I'm confident enough, and I, and I don't know if this is going to work out for me. I'm confident enough, even if one of their big dogs is gone, they still make it to the finals. Which big dog are you talking about? Steph Curry. Steph Curry? Right now, because Steph's hurt. I don't think they... Make it to the finals without Steph Curry. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, because what happens with Steph is the defense gets so comes so far out that it opens up their lanes so much more. When he's not there, they are still a great team, but they're just kind of more of a regular great team. You know? They're not a super great team. They don't score as easily. Without Steph. Well, what's your take? And Joe and I have already I'm talked about. Make go sure ahead. You stay talking in the mic class. We don't. Okay. The last thing that you need is it's, getting the Matty Goldberg treatment. From oh, the, no. From the oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. Suck that dick, bro. Yeah. Oh, I dick. always say, think Christina Aguilera. That's actually, that's the best. <laughs> you know, like Bruce Springsteen's all like, huh? But Christina's like, oh, fuck yeah. I'm a genie in a bottle. <laughs> Can we do a Prano remix? Yeah. Prano does Christina. Yeah, yeah, uh, amazing. You are beautiful. <laughs> what do you think about the Rockets, though? You know, I'm st- I've been critical of how they perform with D'Antoni in the postseason, and obviously in James their Harden. One season. <laughs> yeah, him, no, no, with him Dan- as their coach. It's kind of a, but D'Antoni, right? You know, his record with the Suns. I'm saying in the postseason. I just that's another reason why I'm still not betting against uh, his, the his record. His record with the Suns. Is a little bit. I think people give him too hard of a time because he got fucked with that. Amari Stoudemire got 
suspended, whatever, leaving the bench, nonsense. Um, I will say this. I've seen Chris Paul quit in the playoffs. I've seen him quit on his teammates. I've seen him refuse to shoot for whatever reason. And I've seen James Harden get either quit or just get plain worn out individually. So it'll be interesting to see how they do in the playoffs this year because they both got something to prove a little bit in the playoffs, you know? So I'm not one of those people who's like can totally write off the Rockets because well, I mean, of I mean, past, to, of the, of to me, past. I think the, the idea that somebody wouldn't be scared of the Rockets without Steph Curry is just blinking guy mean. Like the idea, the idea that the Warriors without Steph or Durant. Honestly, even like I think I think with those two guys being scorers, like first of all, obviously I'm not trying to uh, b- put any bad juju on Clay, and I love Clay. By the way, I think Clay is you a love J- Clay the most. I lo- I think Clay is a James Harden type. Where if he was like on the on the Knicks or on the Hornets or on the fucking, he'd be an MVP candidate. But um, that being said, scoring isn't really like where they're going to be lacking. Um, so like I, to me, it's like. Kevin Durant, Steph, Draymond, like if you're missing one of those guys, like that's a that's that's an issue. That's Mm -hmm. like something you got to be worried about. So Mm -hmm. the idea that there's, I think they're like, how many games back are they? Are they five games back? Five games back. Six games back. Six and a half. Six and a half games back. So the idea that they're like none of those guys are in to make the finals with or without all of their players is just well is is sort of disrespectful to the Rockets. But it's certainly disrespectful of the Rockets to be like, oh, they'll do it without Steph. Dude. No, they they can't. I don't think they can beat the Rockets without Steph. I agree. I don't think they can get to the finals without Steph. And they, I, they may be able to beat the Raptors or who else would come out right. of the East. If they got there. I don't think they can beat LeBron without Steph. Right. But um, so that's how I feel. But them being six games behind right now. Is a little bit of a misnomer because they've they've haven't had anybody for the last ten games, right? And they've been scoring like eighty five points a game. They're missing eighty points or ninety points, right? Right now, so. But no, I think the Rockets are for real. I mean, this postseason though, right it now, it's gonna be a fucking bonanza. Yeah, I I want it. I want to fucking Jesus Christ! Did you I do? <laughs> I am so. I can't wait to get a gift of that. So is he coming? Bonanza yeah. jacked up because he wants to see good basketball. I, I'm I tired of watching wait. this shitty college basketball. Thank I want to see the Laz. fucking pros. Oh, oh shut the fuck you. up! Oh my god! Oh, if shut the I fu- see four guys in a corner, fucking. Milking the shot clock and two, three defenses anymore. I'm gonna fucking puke. I know. I hate those games that go down to the very end that are exciting Every the whole fucking fourth game. Basketball 56, game goes 56. Goes down to the end. You just watch 64 basketball games in three weeks. It's yeah. like the idea that does like watch 64 NBA games in the next four days. You're gonna see a fucking ton of buzzer beaters and zero defense. <laughs> Bullshit. There's bullshit. They play fucking two three zone in the fucking college. That, Jim Beheim, all he does for thirty years is teach the two three zone like he's teaching the fucking seventh graders. There's no defense in fucking college. That's why they, that's why they come out in the fucking pros and they can't play defense because they've been playing fucking zone defenses like babies for fu- their whole fucking lives. It's it's like there's a ton of defense. Like the in the no NBA. defense thing is is like the oldest white man. Like, but they don't play like, no, 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 it's it's not no defense. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Like, that's a technical difficulty sound.
It's the emer- this is a this is not a test. This is the emergency broadcast system. We have a dirty sports failure. We uh, lost. The you know what's amazing, Andy? We did. I, I mean, it's easily top five longest episodes of all time. Easily, maybe top three, potentially top two. I mean, have we done any three-hour episodes? We've been close. Two hours and 33 minutes, I think, was the last number I saw with Andy last. And we lost the last... We lost all but... Well, all but whatever you've heard so far. We lost about two hours of audio. All of that is available in beautiful, stunning, full-color picture on our YouTube channel. Uh, Dirty Sports on YouTube. Sound quality isn't what you're used to, but uh, I mean, go over to YouTube and watch the rest of this episode. Uh, what are some of the things that they'll get over there? I mean, it's amazing. We- I believe you continue to talk Xavier basketball throughout the show. Uh, Chris we- Mack. Chris, right, Chris Mack. Uh, we have my Odell Beckham sources. And all all the Odell Beckham news, all the Odell Beckham Giants trading, signing, contract negotiation news. The Rams adding Indomitian Sue. Uh, and the full... NBA? Yeah, more NBA talk. Jesus. My NBA bonanza boner. And... You're, this is what I'll say to everyone listening. Again, we apologize for this... No other way to put it. Trevor has been uh, buried in a shallow grave (laughs) on Venice Beach. (laughs) This is a debacle. But, again, it's all on YouTube. It's not the best audio. Uh, uh, But it's all there. I didn't know when we were talking about it before, I didn't know that it was salvageable at any point. I was like, I don't know if I can recreate the magic. That was my basketball bonanza, my Beckham takes. Your hip thrusting alone. I've never seen Prano do this, by the way. And he did it three or four times on. So this will be on the YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah. So watch the full episode. Yeah. And also a full in depth Major League Baseball preview with Andy Lazarus, who I actually I texted and I was like, I think you're going to have to come and recreate the magic. That was uh, before I knew that it is available in some form which is on our YouTube channel. And I promise you, I promise you from the bottom of my heart that this is not a sick, dirty sports tactic to up our YouTube views. Uh, when you get there, you'll see that the audio is not great quality because our our recorder, our audio recorder failed our... Uh, so we had two failures tonight. We had a Zoom failure. We had a Mevo failure. Yes. Two and a Trevor failure, and a Ruther failure. I said to Trevor, I was like, many people and pieces of equipment are at fault here. Basically, everybody here except me and Laz. Both machines and human era. I'm glad to know, Prano. Yeah. <laughs> However, Trevor, you got to lay off the weed, bro. I mean, I mean, not to throw you under the bus, but I'm going to, in a way, do that. Two- get, get off the weed, Two hours of staring at the Zoom, and you didn't see that it said zero, 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 zero. 
Look, I you know I know. <laughs> How is that even possible? I know you want to. I look. Trevor feels bad. I talked to him. I know he does. Um, I'm actually calm. There's also yeah. There's also file management issues. You Th- know, which we, we can delete hours of you yelling at Maddie's dogs and make room for more. Sports which is all talk. me. That's all me. Uh, you know what's crazy though? I saw because I t- you know tweeted out the gift tonight of you losing it and then me following it up. I didn't get mad tonight. I was calm. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no. Uh, the I think the old saying goes, "No use crying over spilled milk." But in the past, I'd be mad. I yeah. just. In fact, somebody tweeted uh, audio of you getting mad the last time this happened. Hey, I've done a lot of podcasts. Uh, at one point, uh, Brett Ernst dubbed me Joey Podcasts. So this is something that happens from time to time. Anybody that's listened to a podcast has heard it happen to. Us before it's happened to the Kooks before. I know it's happened to Eddie before. It's uh, it happens from time to time. So the good news is there is a version of this. It's on YouTube. Go there for NBA playoff uh, matchups preview, the full baseball preview, including Andy Laz and I's World Series picks, uh, which I, I thought were both very interesting, um, and of course. My extensive uh, breakdown of the Odell Beckham, the ongoing Odell Beckham drama. Here's the good news. We do have a silver lining. Uh, We already had a fantastic interview, uh, an interview that Andy and I agreed was maybe one of our best interviews in the history of the show, banked for Monday's episode. So good news, bad news. Good news. We can play that interview for you now. Bad news. I still have to come back here and see Ruther on Sunday instead of just playing this episode that we were going to share with you guys on Monday. But we have a fantastic interview with Dennis Franks, who is a former NFL player. He played for the Philadelphia Eagles, played for the Detroit Lions, played at the University of Michigan, um, came to us through Eddie Ift, whose father-in-law he is. And uh, he, he talked about his NFL days, his college days, he talked about. Uh, and he's written a book. He's written. He talked about the book he wrote with Vince he, Papali. He's been a. He's been a. The last laugh. Yeah. A vision to victory. So it truly is a fantastic episode, and we were excited to roll it out for you Monday. But you get it now. You get yeah, it early. You get it now. So. So listen to that, of course. Before you do that, guys. Baseball season is officially here, Joe Prano. It is. I know you're excited. You'll hear all about it on the YouTube channel. Go watch that. And what I'm excited about is to play dirt balls in draft. I am excited about it as well. I think if you go to our uh, our video portion of this podcast, you will see me say the same thing that I'm about to say. I love draft, especially the draft app, especially for baseball. I've played fantasy basketball, I've played fantasy football, I've played fantasy baseball, but it's a long time since I had a fantasy baseball team because it's just too time-consuming. Yeah. You got to be on the waiver wire, you got to change your pitcher every day. 162 games. Who has off, who doesn't have off. It's not just bye weeks. So uh, I love fantasy baseball, and I haven't had the time to do it in a while, and I love this because I can just do a snake draft every day. Draft my players for the day, match up against dirt balls, win some money, and it's it's so much easier and so much less time consuming than than 
your regular fantasy baseball league. Yeah, and let me explain that real quick. By the snake draft, if you haven't played, you probably did during NFL, you just go head-to-head, and, and you pick you pick six players, they pick six players, boom. And and the best part about draft for me is you can't share players. Nope. You pick, I pick, and um, we both get our teams. I hate when I have a fantasy matchup, and we've all picked five of the six players, and suddenly um, it's really just a matchup between two guys. So join us on the Draft app today, guys. Just search Draft in your app store or play right from your computer on Draft.com. And for a limited time only, this is the best part, all Dirty Sports Podcast listeners get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code. That's Dirty. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using our promo code DIRTY when you make your first deposit. So search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and enter our code DIRTY today. And again, our name is, username I should say, is Dirty Sports. So challenge us in the snake drafts. Major League Baseball is underway. We got 162 games. You guys can challenge us. Uh, And it's amazing. And like Joe said, it's easy. It's quick. You can challenge us while you're sitting on the toilet, while you're laying in bed, while you're ignoring work. You name it. So challenge us in the draft app today. Very excited for our guest today, Prano. A former Philadelphia Eagle, your favorite team. That's right. (laughs) Five years in the NFL? Yes, absolutely. And he's, unlike a lot of Eagles, he is educated and he can write. (laughs) (laughs) Wrote a book? Yeah, put together a full sentence or two. Yeah, that's right. So, Dennis Franks, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm excited. You know, I hear a lot of good things about this podcast, and I can't wait to really engage with you guys. This is the first time that we've had an athlete in our new setup here. How do you feel about being on a couch in a studio apartment between two guys? Does this, uh, <laughs> does this take you back to the training this re- No, actually, it reminds me of porn, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Just like <laughs> <laughs> One of the big Hollywood sets. Dennis, we definitely have with the lights in here. You can make to three to $5,000 per shoot. Yeah. Just so you know, we're just going to use this for tape. This might not actually be online. <laughs> right, That's okay. what they say. Uh, so, you, so you've written a book, The Last, yes. La- or Last Laugh. Yeah, Vision to Victory. Yeah. One of the great things about that is having the opportunity to tell some stories and really show where we came from and how it evolved into the results that we are today. And you, uh, you co-wrote it with Vince Papali. Yes. Um, and he's famous for, uh, for the movie with Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were just saying before the show that you were upset with your casting in the movie. Yeah. First of all, if you've not seen the movie Invincible, it's a wonderful movie about the underdog who makes it. Now, imagine this guy that's too old to play professional football, 30 years old, <laughs> gets a call to walk on to make the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, it's his story about going through everything that he had to go through and then contributing to help build the 1980 NFC championship team. And uh, he did a great job. It's a great story. The true Rocky for Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. They got to get him a statue. <laughs> yeah, he would like one, but he's not going <laughs> to. He's not going to see that. Yeah, but wouldn't that be an upgrade from a fictional movie character for the city? Uh, well, he, he is known by all. If you are anywhere from the greater Philadelphia area, you know Vince Papali. He's done so much for the community. He's contributed to so many schools and made a difference for such youth uh, athletics. I mean, it's just amazing. And what is it about the, uh, your relationship with Vince that you guys went in on this book together? Well. It, 
it goes back to the story. You know, I used to be a professional floor control engineer. Uh, most people know that by bouncer uh, in the off season <laughs> back in the day. Can, can you repeat with that, that term again? I love <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, we were okay. called floor control engineers. Such and, a nice way of putting yeah, it. I'm well, going to beat the shit out of people, right? <laughs> I'm an <Yeah>. engineer. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we were basically, uh, I was bouncing in the off season at Fran O'Brien's, which was a nightclub in Philadelphia on the main line, and he was also a bouncer there. And uh, he came up to me and he said, you know, I, I'm going to go out for the Eagles. And I said, you're too pretty to play football. You know, he's a good-looking guy. You know, uh, bottom line was, we'll see. You know, so we didn't like each other a whole lot. You know, that's how we met. And then one night, there was a big fight. We were called upon to uh, fight back-to-back. There was a a group of Italians uh, out having a good time, and one terrible uh, people, the Italians. <laughs> Those one, people over there always, one, always causing something. One sort of reached within his coat, and we thought he was going for the heat, and so we went right in on. And before you know, we were fighting seven or eight guys. We got our asses kicked, but we just loved it, and we got them out. But but you know what's so fat? Well, there's so many elements that are fascinating. You are a member of the Philadelphia Eagles, and in the off season, how things have changed. You're bouncing bars. Correct. you got to understand, my contract in 1975, and I was a second-team All-American, All-Big Ten center at the University of Michigan, I got a whopping $18,500. Wow. Yeah. And get this, $4,000 bonus, of which $2,000 I spent on beer at our <laughs> frat party. <laughs> That's about what intern Trevor makes. For yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, if intern Trevor made that much, he'd be sitting good. He <laughs> makes exactly $0 right now. Uh, you know, it's experience that counts. You know, but no, back then, you know, could you imagine doing what you love and getting paid? It was great. Didn't matter how much we got. We probably played for free. So you were at Michigan. You said mm-hmm. second team All-American. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were drafted or not drafted? No, I was too small. The computer spit me out. I was six foot one. I came out at 248 and uh, I didn't have the arm reach. Uh, they didn't see how high we could jump, but I had the white man disease. I couldn't jump <laughs> yeah. that high, you know, and uh, basically I was strong and, and I was quick and I was smart. But the whole thing, I didn't I got spit out of the computer. And so as a result, while teams said, hey, Den, we're going to draft you. We like you and all this good stuff. Nobody drafted me and nothing was worse than looking at that phone for two friggin' days and it didn't ring. Now, how was it back then? Because obviously now it's there's the players are so over-scrutinized with the analytics and all the numbers. You know, back then, can you give maybe a, the difference of how it was then versus now? I mean, obviously you still had to go through all the other tests, right? And, and Was there a combine back then? No, there was not. And I'll tell you, there were scouts and that was about it. They got scouts and they had game film. And then if you made it into the top 25, you know, more people looked at you. Uh, Back then, not that many players came from the small schools and played because they didn't have the the vision or they didn't have the promotion that uh, television brings today. But uh, I was on the team of the decade. We were 42-1 and in the 70s. Wow. So we were quite uh, a good winning streak. We only lost two games to Ohio State. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was a pretty good career. Not the one you want to lose either. No, it was the last <laughs> game of the season going in undefeated and bam. So how, why did you, because I know you're from Pennsylvania, What may, and I'm actually from Ohio myself, what uh, made you choose, because you were getting recruited 
by Ohio State and Michigan at the same time, correct? I had 113 scholarship offers. Wow. uh, Back then, you were only allowed... That's funny. I had a scholarship offer for $113. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost the same thing. Well, when I came out of... I can't even count to 113 for the record. When I came out of Western Pennsylvania, that was sort of like where Mike Ditka came, Joe Namath, Tony Dorsett. I mean, one after another, bam, bam, bam. It was like the melting pot of people coming out to play ball at major colleges and then going on to the pros. In fact, my next-door neighbor was a number one pick. Jimmy Kelly was a tight end at Notre Dame, and he was my inspiration growing up. He he lived in the row home three down from me. We lived in an alley in Clareton, Pennsylvania, next to the steel mills, and uh, it was something. But the whole storyline going to Michigan was they weren't even in my top five teams. And this is how... Woody Hayes and Bobby Bowden and John McKay and Bear Bryant, Eric Procedure. Think about this. I'm walking the the halls of Notre Dame with Eric Procedure, saying, son, this is where tradition is. This is where you should play. Woody Hayes talking history with my, my father and Joe Paterno talking about, you know, Italians should go to Penn State, you know, or <laughs> we were just going like they were all there. And then Michigan was in the scene, but Bo calls my mother. And says, Inga, and my my mom's Ingeborg. She was a national uh, champion in ice skating from Germany, and uh, she's Inga. Said it would be a travesty if your son did not see Michigan before he <laughs> made his decision. And it was my mother that said, "Son, you need to go to see Michigan." And I said, "There's no more weekends." So I went on a Monday and Tuesday. Now there was a great guy who was probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. I think he is in the Hall of Fame. Reggie McKenzie. He was a big offensive lineman. He showed me around. He, he blocked for O.J. Simpson back in the day. And this is pre-murder. Yeah, pre-murder. <laughs> right. Just to clarify. Allegedly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So he blocked for them. They gave him 100 bucks to take me out. So Reggie and Tom Coyle, another big guy, took me out. They bought me two bottles of Boone's Farm. Apple. Never forget this. <laughs> Boone's uh, Farm. We drank it. I passed out. And the next morning, I said, how was it? He goes, you got you had so much fun last night. That's what they're telling me. And then yeah. I passed out. I said, okay. You know, but it came down to going to the stadium. Now, you got to imagine back in 1971, Michigan Stadium, the big house, 104,000 people filling the stadium. And then Bo Schembechler brings me to his office. He says, so you're Denny Franks. He says, I hear you're pretty good. He says, but I don't know if you're good enough to play for Michigan. But I'm willing to give you a shot. And that's how he closed me. Wow. He challenged Challenged me. Wow. Everybody else said, you're going to be a great linebacker. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. And he was the only one that says, I don't know if you're good enough. And do you think that ignited you? You you just took the challenge. Is that kind of how it worked out for you then? Yeah. One of the things, whenever you're undersized or whenever people doubt you and if you're competitive, like for me, when people doubt me or say I can't do something, then I will. I mean, I'm going to do everything in my power to prove them wrong. It just sort of fires me up. You know, I don't know what fires you guys up, but <laughs> I hope it's not me in the middle of this couch. Never. <laughs> Every time you start firing me up, I see the eagle shirt. I'm like, it's not. It's never going to work yeah. out for us. I'm a simple guy. It's usually Taco Bell and Netflix. That's what, that's what gets me fired up. Now, you yourself 
have a background in figure skating, which which you got to talk about this because I saw this on Wikipedia. Are you the only professional football? Actually, let's just not even say lineman in the history of the National Football League that also can figure skate. I mean, there has to be some sort of record there. You know what? Uh, I got to tell you, uh, it is one of the things that has really helped me, in my opinion, as far as agility and balance. But I grew up on figure skates, not hockey skates. My mom, being a professional athlete uh, and national champion figure skater with Germany, she came over to the United States and she was teaching. And a lot of men didn't figure skate. But there's ice dancing, which is very popular today. A lot of people watch it on the Olympics. Well, my brother and I, we brought the students through their dance tests. You know, I have my silver dances. My brother was gold dancing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like solid gold dancers, yeah. but, you know, you got to get on your edges and you got to get around. You know, and it was pretty exciting until one day I realized that, you know, girls didn't like guys that ice skate that much. So I said, Mom, i got to go play some yeah. football here. It's amazing. You're right in the middle ground, a little too small for the NFL, a little too big to be an ice skater. Yeah, like, listen, this body doing uh, spins and jumps and yeah, like, yeah. flipping my leg up, that, that was too much. That was so too much. After, after Michigan, how is it they end up on the Eagles? Like, did, w- Were they another team that just gave you a shot? Did you get calls in, uh, post-draft from, from multiple teams, or were they the ones that were like, come on, come on down? Right. Well, so here's how it works. Um, if you don't go in the first three rounds, okay, you really don't lose a whole lot if you're drafted fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, okay? Um, in fact, you have more flexibility if you're not drafted to pick the team that you're most likely to get the best shot. And uh, after I did not get drafted and my agent called me up and said, okay, let's start going to work, I start getting all these calls right after the draft saying, come on, I want you to come in as a free agent. So we, we just backed off, and we looked at all the teams. We looked at the center position on each of the teams that we explored, and we found the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles had the candidate that I would most likely be able to beat out, and that would be the, the, the second-team person, the punt snapper, the field goal snapper, because usually you make it on special teams, and the more you can do. So my rookie year, for instance, I played center, guard, tight end. You know, we only yeah. had eight linemen. You know, wow, when we got in there, yeah. Now you talked about being a, a special team center, and when when most people watch the NFL, the the great thing is most people don't know that guy's name, and everything's fine when he snaps sixty punts in a row that are great. But then the one that he duffs, the one that he bounces, people lose their mind. Like fuck this guy, <laughs> this fuck. What is he even doing out there? How how much pressure is it when you're snapping a punt or snapping a field goal? Like, what's going through your mind? I mean, you're just thinking, don't go, don't, not, can't be too high, can't be too low, it's got to be just right. Like, mm-hmm. I, because I, I always think that's got to be a really tough job, head down between your legs. Yeah, throwing back a then, ball backwards. Back then, you were allowed to hit the center. Right. Oh, Today, man. You're not allowed to hit. Yeah. And I got my, I, I often ran down the field after I snapped the ball, like seeing all kinds of the universe go by. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but you just, you pointed and you went. But the toughest thing, and, and people don't realize this, it takes a skill and a set mind that you can put that ball, whether it's cold, rainy, dry, back to the punter in .75 seconds on his hip, so that he can kick because they time how fast the guy from the outside can actually run free in to get to the punter. 
okay? And that's the timing. Like on a field goal, you have to have .3 seconds. It has to be in the guy's hand and up, strings forward, kick, okay? Um, some of the toughest times in my life when it comes to being a center, uh, one, I remember uh, playing uh, my rookie season, and we were playing the Washington Redskins, and we were on the four-yard line, and Spike uh, Jones was the punter, and we needed to get a good punt out. And the guy across from me started talking about my mother, you know, how he had his way with her. And um, the other guy <laughs> said, yeah, she, yeah. You, you, you were a figure right. skater too, huh? Uh... <laughs> there was a lot of line talk, yeah, yeah. you know, because you're trying to get the, your head off the game and all. So I, my veins in my neck again, I'm going to say, I'm going to pop this guy. I'm just going to hit him. I'm not even worried about running down. I'm just getting a fight. So he was talking in my head, and I was a rookie, and next thing you know, I snapped the ball. Man, it was great. Fired back right over the punter's head and out of the end zone. I was booed by 75,000 people. Is this in the old vet? In the old vet. Mm -hmm. Did you take any batteries to the helmet? Uh, Let me say this to you. When I came to the sideline, Coach Vermeil said to me, he said, son, don't ever do that again or you'll be looking for a job. That was his comment. It never happened again. <laughs> what was, like, like, you know, I can't imagine, you know, and Joe brought up a good point. It's such a thankless job because you're expected to do the right thing every time, but you only get acknowledged when you don't. So in that moment, do you rem- like, do you have a good vivid memory of what's going through your head at that point with everybody booing you and yeah. just how you felt? I felt rejection. Uh, I felt like... <laughs> Fuck. Oh, I said, shit, excuse me. No, I felt f- bad. All the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, like, <laughs> not the couch. I mean, it's me and Adam saying it. Well, no, I came, you come off the field, they, all the yeah. fans, the Philly fans are not the most reasonable fans. No. Well, can I mean, we, we should talk about yeah. that, too. Yeah, because. Lord, there was some screaming, kill the bump, get him out of here. <laughs> kill him. Jeez. Send him back to Michigan, you know, kind of thing. That We've talked a lot about Eagles fans on this show, and as a, as a Giants fan, you know. Oh. Yeah, I know. As a Giants fan growing up, I always thought, oh, the Cowboys, that's, that's our biggest rival. You know, they were always good during the 90s. It was always the Cowboys, the Cowboys, the Cowboys. And then I went to my first game in Philly as a Giants fan, and people are telling me – I. And my friend told me, don't wear Giants gear. And people are telling me before I get out of the car, we're going to slash your tires while you're inside. We're going to do this. And, I mean, threats the whole game. And I said, Philly fans, and I've been everywhere in the country watching games as a visitor, Philly fans are the worst I've ever experienced. When you're on the Philadelphia Eagles, does that come across to you guys? Are they supportive fans? Do you, are you worried that they're going to turn on a dime? Do you notice how awful they seem to the outside world? Like, what is your, what's your experience with Philadelphia Eagles fans as a guy who played on the team? Well, the Philadelphia fans are loyal. Uh, Philadelphia fans will, will stick by you, but they have the privilege of booing the hell out of you if you're not putting everything you have into the game. And I remember those days early on in 1975 when I first went in there. They were not a good team there, 4-12. and uh, It wasn't until 1976 when Dick came in that everything started to turn. But uh, we were the first uh, stadium to have a court system in there uh, because there was so much uh, brawling going on yeah. with visiting teams. Um, and I've yeah, been in the jail cell. yeah, yeah this guy the has been the there. <laughs> you have. I've been under the vet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's you played awesome. up there. I was down below in a, <laughs> in a cell. 
Uh, no, without a doubt, the Philly fans are terrific. And being at the Super Bowl this past uh, year and seeing the Philly Nation go into Minneapolis at 11 below and uh, just taking on the city, it was just awesome. How was that for you as a former player? Was that oh, pretty awesome? Oh, yeah. We, we were there. Uh, Vince and I, we're, we're good friends with Coach Peterson, so it's great to be able to talk to Doug and have hear his insight on how he felt. We knew going into the game they were going to put the pedal down the entire time. He was not going to regret one thing. He was going to play aggressively all the way through, and they did. Um, we, being in the stands, it's really funny. You never know when you play the New England Patriots yeah. when it's over. And yeah. uh, that last play when uh, he did the Hail Mary and it was coming down the end zone, and Gronk's in there, and everybody was just in the stadium going, <gasps> then when it hit the ground, woo, went crazy. Everybody went nuts. In fact, the woman to my left, who I didn't know, grabbed me around the neck and almost took me over the bleachers and out of the second tier. You know, she was so excited, but it didn't, it was all good, you know. Uh, obviously, you know, you keep up with the team enough. You're at, you're at the Super Bowl. Do you follow you follow Eagles football regularly? you watching, you know, on a week-by-week basis? Are you still, you know, heavily invested in the NFL? Or as a former player, are you kind of like, Oh, they're doing well. I'll watch. And well, you, you know what? I, I grew up a Steelers fan, uh, but I bleed green, and I follow the Eagles. A lot of my friends are still back there. We've got Michigan guys playing on the team. In fact, Grant, uh, who uh, defensive end that uh, yeah. hit the ball out of Brady's hand in the end, he was a Michigan boy. But yeah, we follow them. We know the guys. Uh, Vince being in town, he does a lot of. Um, appearances when i'm up there i do it uh work with them when we were here at the maxwell dinner just last week uh in atlantic city at the tropicana it was great to see all the great athletes coming down to support everybody i think carson wentz is is amazing i think nick's Foles uh played as good as you could ever play as someone who had role b and then yeah. all of a sudden put into a i mean you got to give the man a great deal of credit because no one in philadelphia gave him a whole shot you know until finally he started getting the rhythm down but yeah i do follow him and i'm very proud of him but i also live in north carolina so i follow the panthers although i'm not a big fan of uh our quarterback cam and his fashion styles right right yeah the hats are a little is anybody? Yeah. Is, I have not a clue, but his contract. Are they drug are. testing him? Because what is going on there? I'm th- I don't know. You know, he's going to show up one time dressed as Barney or something. Like <laughs> these, Joe and I always laugh about it. These guys get like the hipster, the hipster dress that you would see from some white kid in Silver Lake. Now all these athletes are wearing it's. It's just gotten out of control. Yeah, it is. But you know what? They've been given the stage. and uh, I mean, he, he, he that's just flamboyant. I'm sure, I'm sure in the way. 70s, your outfits were <laughs> yeah. pretty bold. Polyester, baby. Yeah, yeah. Big, big collars, disco. <laughs> yeah. It was in, you know. In fact, when I finished my career in Detroit, that was my nickname, disco. Disco. <laughs> yeah. That's disco. what they called you? Yeah, because I could do some disco dancing. <laughs> but you yeah. you also have another nickname. Weren't you called Diesel? Yeah, I why, am the Diesel also. Why, why were you called Diesel? <laughs> well, again. 
again, that that comes in from another part of my life. Uh, I play in a rock band, you know, so I, I sing. Currently? Yeah, yeah. What's I the play, band called? What? What's the band it's called, called the Polaroids. The Polaroids, <laughs> the Polaroids man. You remember the Polaroid yeah, camera? Yeah, sure. You're damn course. right. We're bringing back that good music. A little southern rock, a little classic rock. Hell yeah. What do you play? I play a custom Gibson, Les Paul, and I have a Fender Strat that I like. But Diesel comes from, I do more mostly rhythm guitar and sing and... Uh, and then I just carry it, carry it like a diesel engine. Man. Yeah, I, I go. What I mean, do, this is incredible. What, do, what doesn't yeah, know, he do? Figure skater, football player, musician, entrepreneur, yeah. author. Yeah, floor engineer. Can you fix my toilet before you leave? Because I, I mean, there's there's nothing you can't do. And we got, I got to talk a little bit more about your playing days okay. because yeah. I, you know the se- the 70s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. What? Who was it? That would be a you know a nose tackle or a defensive lineman on the other side of the ball that you're like that's not the guy I want to see when I walk out there on Sunday. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to all the youngsters that don't know this guy, Mean Joe Green. The first game I ever started was against Mean Joe Green and Ernie Arrowhead Holmes, who was basically arrested for shooting uh, at people on a highway with a rifle on a gun. Um, Sounds like a guy you yeah. want to face. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the first time I played was in 1975. I started in Pittsburgh, my hometown, uh, as a Philadelphia Eagle. And we went up to the line of scrimmage, and uh, they played Joe Green on the nose of the center, and they had a defensive tackle, which was Ernie, Arrowhead Holmes in my ear hole, uh, meaning that you were terrified when you came to the line scrimmage because there you had maybe you know, 600 pounds of people coming off the line, being a rookie. And Ernie says to Joe, he goes, Joe, we have some fresh meat today. <laughs> and I about died. I had to change my underwear. You know, <laughs> just like there was something. But uh, Randy White uh, was another great one. Came from the University of Maryland, played for Dallas. Big Hands Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curly Culp uh, for the Houston Oilers. He bent my face mask, literally, about three inches to the left uh, with one forearm blow to the face. He now, forearmed. Uh, he forearmed your face mask, and that's a bent. It. That's incredible. Right. Okay. This. This. He was an Olympic gold medalist wrestler, Greco wrestler, but went pro football at about three twenty. Back in the days where you only had one three hundred pounder a team. Now the game has obviously changed so much. When you watch today's NFL and how they can't do certain hits and how it's just so different than when you watched it. Do you do you like how it's progressed in that fashion, or do you like it more of just the no-holds-barred football that you grew up and played with? First and foremost, you don't play football without understanding there are risks. It's just like hockey, basketball, and everything else. So all this bullshit that's going on about, you know, don't hit somebody in the head and all this other stuff, you, you're getting paid to get hit in the head. You're getting paid for the entertainment. You went to big contracts. There's going to be risk. I got a problem with it personally. You know, we all are scared to death with the CTF issues with the yeah. the brain and all that. In fact, as soon as I land back you in CTE, I think you might yeah, have CTE. it. CTE, <laughs> you know, CTE thing. You know, that's good. I like that. <laughs> but when I when I land back in um, in North Carolina, I'm going to Duke uh, University to get a six hour test, a brain scan. Uh, all of the former athletes. Athletes are going through this right now, but no, yeah, it's a modern day gladiator environment. Yeah. And you go out there to hit people. People are paying for this. I mean, who who are you trying to kid? 
Well, that's interesting that you said that, Dennis. So you, what would be your stance then, obviously, with the movie Concussion and all the, you know, it, it's basically a big tabloid grab. Everybody wants to talk about it, uh, the concussion issue with the NFL. Do you not think former athletes like yourself should get some sort of settlement? Absolutely, it, because Mike Webster was a personal friend of mine. We came out the same time. He was the one that was in that movie and featured the first client with the CTE. Uh, bottom line, Junior Seau. I mean, it's yeah. a sad, it's very sad. I mean, families are destroyed. Everything's destroyed. But they're negotiating for another 3 or $4 million a year, $10 million a year, trying to get the guaranteed money. What are you getting it for? Right. You're not cutting a record or a movie or something. I, you know, I sort of get that easier if you could keep making music and do this. You're, you're being paid for a skilled position to do one thing, either to defend or score. I, I, you know, I got, I got my issues about that. And I bet a lot of the old school people feel the same way. Yeah, and, you know, even being a, a fan of the game, I, I'm with you on that. My approach has always been the guys know what they're getting into. They're getting a lot of money to do it. And the league's making a lot of money, and it's settlements one thing, but also take care of these guys after the game. That's that's my issue. It seems like if you play a couple years, unless you're a ten year vet or unless you're a quarterback, you're not really left with the money to just go. Oh, I'm set for life. I can just be at home with CTE on my you know lazy boy. Um, what is it like having played in the '70s? What benefits do you get from the NFL or or not get from the NFL as compared to guys today? Well, first and foremost, everybody needs to understand you get no benefits unless you get to your fourth year. That's when you get vested. Uh, I, I do qualify for pension. Uh, having five years in the league, and uh, I'll start collecting. I turn 65 next month, uh, and it's about $4,000 a month. Uh, the collective bargaining agreements have done a good job for retired athletes to raise that. Um, they give us opportunities to take a percentage of our retirement money to start a business, uh, mm -hmm. if that's what you want to do. They have free replacement if you need operations for replacement. They have mental health, uh, free dental. I mean, you can really get a lot of the benefits if you're paying attention. Uh, what's sad is that many of the players, in fact, half the Hall of Famers, uh, are busted broke. I mean, they don't have a penny to their name. And it's sad to see after the career in football that they don't know how to go out and create that kind of income that they made playing ball. And nobody owes us a living. Right. You know, you got to rediscover yourself. That's why the book, that's why, you know, Market America, shop.com, 26 years in business, a billion-dollar company. Well, where'd that come from? We started in a freaking garage. So yeah. you talk about that. What, what was your immediate post-NFL career like? When you, when you finish playing, you're out, and are you just like, did you try to hang on for a bit? You trying out for teams? And, and at what point do you say, well, that's it for me? Well, I decided to leave the game because uh, back then free agency was not big. Um, I was uh, released and picked up by the Detroit Lions going into the year that they actually won the NFC championship game and then went on to the Super Bowl. I was the special teams captain in 78 uh, of the Eagles. Uh, and all of a sudden, I was just basically sent up to Detroit. And I couldn't understand it. And nobody wants to go to Detroit. Let's be well, honest. you know, I, I, <laughs> they're actually a great city. I got to tell you that. I mean, a lot of people give it a bad rap, but it's a great city. Uh, you know, I played down the road in Ann Arbor. I've got no problems with that. I was happy that I had demand. But my bottom line is it wasn't a game anymore. 
And so that might sound trivial to me, uh, to people, but hey, I played because I was passionate about it. And then when I went to Detroit, I played another season, went back the following season, just decided I didn't want to play anymore. I said, I'm going to get my degree, and I'm going to go get a job, and I'm going to get a corner office in Philadelphia. I'm going to be a big shot executive. Wrong. (laughs) It didn't work out. Nobody wanted to give me a job. My first job after that was for $20,000 working for my agent, uh, trying to recruit college athletes. Wow. Uh, That's that's. Just the psychology of that, of he's working for you, and then the script is just flipped right after you retire. Yeah, totally sucked. Um, but thanks uh, to Mark Stewart, but he's in jail now. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did Mark do? I uh, burnt down an arena, you know. So but anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother book. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, this is Philly. We're talking. Yeah, it's like he was York. LJ's agent, yeah. too. And so, you know. You just can't nonchalantly burnt down an arena. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Philadelphia Arena, yeah, it was a uh, boxing night, but. But uh, he just needed some extra money. Yeah, to collect well, well, shorts. yeah, you don't want to do that. So, <laughs> so at Michigan, what did you study during your undergrad? I, I went into school of business, and uh, going into my sophomore year, the dean came to me and said, listen, this isn't working out for you. So <laughs> he asked me to leave. Um, and I went to the school of uh, what LSNA, Literature, Science, and Arts, and studied economics, and then went back and got a couple business classes. But uh, getting through and just studying economics helped me a lot. Uh, growing up the son of a steel worker, I just wanted to be around somebody with money. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how it was going to work. Dad wasn't very good at making money but he was good at loving us and taking care of us but I wanted more when I left Clareton and I saw the big homes and I got saw the nice cars and I tell my dad they say yeah they're probably in the mafia you know that's what he'd say you know or oh well they must deal drugs if they got a big home you know but uh I just wanted more and so it just evolved so then, so when you got out, you joined the mafia. <laughs> and, uh, you're like, no, oh, so I, the big house. I, I got out of uh, Michigan, and um, I was happy to do that. And I went back to Philadelphia looking for opportunities, and there was none. I got disgusted. I, I got mean. I got bigger. I went up to almost 300 pounds. I, I, I got into fights. I started doing drugs. I was trying to be with the in crowd, you know, and it was just a losing opportunity till. One night, I almost killed myself with overdose, and um, I was uh, embraced uh, by someone who cared about me and walked me the entire night till I came out of it, and then I changed my life after that. Wow. wow. Yeah. Ended up marrying that woman. <laughs> so that was something. Yeah. Wow. So you... You're, that story, Dennis, I mean, that's... You hear that a lot, though, from former athletes, where they yeah. leave the game... And then they find themselves at their lowest spot in their life. And, you know, she obviously helped turn your life around. And where do you go from there then at that point? At that time, then I had to start over. I had to make the decision either to become something or just be a wreck the rest of my life. And so I started by helping myself getting back into shape. So I was 295 pounds. Um, I got on a program and lost 65 pounds. Uh, I down to my high school weight, 230 pounds. Even today, I'm about 230 pounds. And I've been helping people ever since lose weight, um, get better nutrition, create lifestyles. And that's what really started my career. I was on television shows. I mean, I had thousands of people that I influenced uh, through weight loss. Yeah. And I got involved with network marketing. I don't know if you're familiar with network marketing. 
Multi-level marketing? No. Okay. Uh, Amway. Have yeah, you ever heard sure. of Amway? Yeah. Have you yeah. heard Mary Kay, Avon, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, Tupperware, yeah. you know, big companies? Well, I got involved with a company called Cambridge Plan International back in the 80s and primarily uh, made my first million dollars in multi-level marketing in the first 18 months, $1.2 million, and everything changed. Uh, so can you go into that? What does that mean? Like, how did you make that money? Well, primarily what you do, um, multi-level marketing is a form of distribution. Okay. Uh, a lot of people call it pyramid sales, but pyramids are illegal. They're idiots who think that. Um, it's a industry that has over 20 million Americans in it. It's a $100 billion industry, and you can buy anything you want through somebody who has the business in their home. So primarily... I helped people lose weight. I sold the product. Their success came back to me basically saying, I have other people. And I said, don't give them to me. Why don't you help them? I'll teach you. And you start teaching people how to be in business, and you leverage your time, and you make a percentage. And the multi-level comes back is that you get paid on different levels of distribution. There was some terrible flaws in it that people overpromised and underdelivered. That's the negative of multi-level marketing, which led me to the company that I'm in today, which is Market America, which we created an entire new industry through binomial marketing back in 1992. Wow. Yeah. And you've been doing that ever since? Ever since. We're on our 26th year. Uh, we're just under a billion dollars a year in sales. We have offices in 10 countries. Uh, Are you hiring? Uh, <laughs> hey, you can't give up all this. Uh, the studio. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I know this makeshift porn studio looks so appealing, but uh, I could use a few extra bucks. So now I, I have to mention it because everybody's probably going, "Well, how did Dennis end up on your couch?" And the answer for people that don't know is uh, your son-in-law is Eddie Ift, comedian, yes. Yes. who's I sitting. Was just gonna get to the point where there was a second. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I, well, that's why I was bringing it up because well, you Trevor, know, you, we, have a, we have a mic here. Eddie can hop yeah, on mic. Love that. I, you you, you don't want to hop on mic? Come on, Eddie. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. Eddie Ift makes my daughter happy. Okay, now for any father that has daughters, <laughs> that's what you hope for. Okay, and I tell you what, there's never a dull moment with Eddie. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. a beautiful thing. That's you know, for sure. He's got a lot of stories. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, you, you've got this uh, successful business. You're starting, you know, in 92, you're, you're, uh, you're making all this money. And then, uh, you know, you have a beautiful young daughter. And then along comes a uh, potty mouth comedian. What's your initial <laughs> reaction to what? this guy showing up at your house? What the fuck? Really? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, you bring me this guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we we met in the mountains, and it was a great story. Um, you know, when we took him for a walk, I took him for a walk. Oh, uh, into I've heard the, the bit. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, there's still. I, I said, what are your intentions? An axe involved? Yep. What are your intentions? <laughs> you know. Uh, there's uh, there's more to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get Eddie. Let's get Eddie on the mic here. Eddie F. The first time I went to meet him. Uh, he, you had been in trouble uh, a week before. That's when you got. Oh, you, is that one? Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to meet him after uh, he, he 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 had a little problem with a bouncer in a bar that pointed at him. I well, listen. I'm going to tell I, you. I believe, it's a, first of all, he was a floor control engineer. That <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so another I'm, floor I'm, control I'm, engineer. Yeah. I'm minding my own business, it and this bouncer just wants to put me out. I mean, he's threatened to throw me out three times, and finally. He goes, he points at me, and with his thumb, he says, I'm taking you out, and he starts walking towards me. Well, here's what I've learned. 
being a, a floor control engineer yeah. or bouncer, when somebody starts coming to you, you don't want to wait for the person. You want to go to them. And I delivered a great shot to the side of the head. I had my <laughs> NFL ring on, and he went down, and the next thing you know, the din- it was the dinosaur dinosaur bar in Rochester, New York, wow. when it all went down. And I got to so. meet him a week after. That. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy now has CTF. <laughs> it, it was a fifteen thousand dollar punch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that'll set. You, uh, yeah, that'll, that's basically your your rookie year contract. That's right, yeah. minus three. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's crazy. And then I said to him, uh, my when I I don't know if you know this, the first. Day I was ever at your house. I'm sitting there, and our common bond is we both grew up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and so I thought, wow, you know, I've got this bond with her dad, and the whole family sitting around. It's it's over like Thanksgiving, so everybody's watching football, and he's the football guru, and everyone's asking him questions about football, and uh, and I go, so Mr. Franks. Uh, Pittsburgh, and I'm like, I'm from Pittsburgh. He's like, yeah, and I'm like, don't you just love Pittsburgh? Like, isn't Pittsburgh the best? And I'm like thinking, he's gonna. He goes, I don't want to go back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, you know, those days were good days, but it was good to go on. I, I'm all about moving forward. In sure. You know. yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the the last laugh, vision of victory. Uh, you know, you handed us a couple copies. Thank you for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And just looking at, at the covers, front and back covers, it's it's uh, a murderer's row of of folks that are you know four words by Mark Wahlberg and Carl Peterson. Then on the back, you got quotes from Jaws, and you know this is what what should people expect when they uh, when they pick up this book? Where can they get it? Well, first and foremost, we would appreciate anybody to pick this up and read it. And it's a story about underdogs and what we've learned over 40 years of uh, friendship. And we created this amazing code. Uh, And a code is something worthy of keeping over generations. And that's where the vision to victory comes. And there's seven words that we talk through. And it will help anybody who is entrepreneurial, anybody who wants to get to another level in their life. What makes this so good, uh, in my opinion, is that we take our experiences not only during football but post-football, the transition, and put all the commonalities together. But the confirmation comes from the Hall of Fame. Guys like, you know, um, Dick Vermeil, Super Bowl coach, uh, the head coach of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, um, Mario Hemingway, amazing author, actress. Uh, when I start thinking about uh, Brian Richter, I mean, he's a, um, a uh, artist in New York, a great landscaper. I mean, Helly Lee, Ken Mock. I mean, I start thinking about... We got J.R. Reininger, the founder of our company, who is a billionaire today, and we start thinking about this. So these people confirm uh, the code based on their last laugh. We believe everybody has or will have a last laugh or multiple last laughs. This just helps you set up how you succeed in it. When you say last laugh, what in particular are you referring to? Well, uh, you'll see there's a picture uh, in the book uh, of Vince and I that hangs in the Hall of Fame, and it's called The Last Laugh. And this is after we played a game and we beat the undefeated Washington Redskins at the time. And Vince uh, went down, made the hit on a a reception of a punt uh, receiver, and I recovered the fumble. And it caught us coming off the field holding uh, 
arm in arm and we're laughing. And they caught this perfect uh, picture of us that represented how we felt with the score in the background. And it won photo of the year. And it's just been referred to by so many people about get your last laugh. We were the underdogs. We weren't supposed to win, but we did. And that's the whole concept of playing the game. So it's basically like, you know, you're kind of, I'm trying to word this, I guess, best. Joe's already laughing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm having my last laugh at you stumbling <laughs> through your next question. I want to see Ruther fumble this like yeah. the Washington Redskin receiver. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie's back. Yeah. Would it be, would it be, you know what, for a lack of, Brenda, let's talk about what we have going on. Would it be kind of like people saying, oh, you guys are doing this podcast out of this shitty studio apartment and then it grows and then the show becomes massive and is that the last laugh where you b- basically make it so to speak that's called a pipe dream <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no you're exactly right I, I, that's rude that's downright rude no uh, the, the thing that I'm trying to say is the two of you coming together there has to be some sort of vision of where you want to take this yeah. you know whether it's 200,000 500,000 one bedroom <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, then that would be the last yeah, yeah. laugh. <laughs> that would, then you'd start Think your small. next yes. Think small. But, you know, you can, you can find the book. It's at uh, shop.com, which is a great place to, to buy anything you want. Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million. It's out there. Uh, so. And what was the process for writing the book? Now, when did you invent... When did this idea come for you guys and say, hey, we should maybe write a book together? It started about 18 months ago, and uh, we didn't have a clue on how to get started. Uh, so what we did, we sat down and we did uh, 35 three-minute videos. And we just picked important topics to us. And we took the videos, we went back and read them, uh, listened to them, and then laid out an outline. And then based on... Who we were, we brought in a professional writer to help us. Bonnie Church, she was amazing. And it was the hardest thing she ever did, writing for two men. And we beat her up so bad. Not physically, just saying. (laughs) Can't say that these days. (laughs) Yeah, No, no, hashtag me too, no way. Uh, But but I'm I'm just saying, it was so hard for her because we kept saying, that's not how we talk. We don't talk that way. So we took her to football games. We took her into environments where the guys were so she would hear how we spoke and how she could put it together. And she did a great job in doing that. But it all started with, we want to give something for the generations ahead, okay? And and really, when you think about it, you want to learn from the people that were experienced. Those of you, the millennials coming up, the Gen Zs, you want to learn from those people that have been there, you know? And then you want to learn and do experience. Uh, experiential learning because that's the best way you do it get engaged with it but bottom line is it it was something that it was let's do this and we don't say something that we don't do i mean that's just one of the things we won't we won't just talk and i think that's something you know we've been talking a lot about your your career and nfl and i feel like that's something that's different from your era of players to guys today and and that's why i'm excited to read it is because i feel like you we get everybody's story now all the time. You know, we, we see Odell Beckham in hotel rooms and we see, right. you know, what Cam Newton's wearing to the games. And, and guys like you and Vince, you know, it was a struggle just to make it. And w- now we're getting the, you know, the story and your, your sort of keys to victory. 
and mm-hmm. uh, your vision mm-hmm. to victory, I should say. Yeah, and, and I want you to know my shirt that I have on is called Who's Nuts. Yeah, I was, and, I was uh, just about to ask you about that. Uh, Who's Nuts is a very big award given to one player each game for the biggest hit. And Vince and I, we used to go after these all the time. Our whole team went after them. And so we, we earned our share. But today, Who's Nuts is known by all Philadelphians. You know, when people wear this around the city, they know. They're looking for the big hit, you know, no matter what it is. Uh, see, seeing as how you're still often in Philly and you played there for so many years, uh, What's the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia? (laughs) Well, hey, listen, if you're going to compare Pat's and Geno's, if you're there on the corner in South Philly, you know, I'm swaying towards Geno's, okay? Only because they have my picture up. Yeah, they got my picture up. They got my picture up, too. Great. That's why I said But but I'm a fan of Tony Luke's, but I'm really swaying to the roast pork now. You know, so if you're in Philly, the cheesesteaks are great, but try Tony Luke's uh, roast pork, man. It's great. It's really good. Cheese, little broccoli rob on there, some hot peppers. Ooh. Man, I'm getting hungry just hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to ask you, going back to your playing days, because mm-hmm. I love the book North Dallas 40. Uh, now, that book, is that really symbolic of the era you played in? You know, for someone who read that book, and obviously they turned it into a movie, but would you say that that is pretty similar, or would you say it's more of an exaggeration? <laughs> Let me say this to you. The days playing football back in the era when I came through was amazing. Uh, we did not condition like they condition today. After practice, we would go out and drink beer. It just so happened to be at a topless place. Uh, we went in areas that, uh, you know, that people didn't normally go. But, but we were normal people. You know, we, we had to basically survive and live because we didn't know how long the game was going to last for us. Yeah. But there were some crazy parties. And the, some of the guys, you know, God, there were people that light themselves on fire. You know, <laughs> there were people that eat glass. I mean, uh, Billy Bradley, I mean, from Texas. He was <laughs> Wild Bill. I mean. So would, th- would these be after the games or just on the week? It didn't matter, a Friday night? Well, you know what? I will tell you the era where we come from. It was not unusual to smoke a cigarette before a game in the locker room. <laughs> That's okay? amazing. So, you know, in, in fact, we mentioned in the book, uh, Vince and I would just take a, a cigarette and get a buzz, a nicotine buzz, you know, go. We'd drive with the, we had a Datsun 280Z. We'd take the T-tops off. We'd go through <laughs> South Philly. Man, people throw us fruit and shit. You know, it was great. I mean, we'd have baseball caps on, cigarette out of the mouth, you know. Uh, I mean, it was just the, different. The I perks mean, of being in the NFL, free fruit. <laughs> I only made 18 grams, but I got a bag of oranges. Yeah. Now, you, said, you said guys lighting themselves on fire, which led Tim me. Rosevich. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Tim Rosevich. He was a crazy bit of linebacker for the Eagles back what in do the you, days. But can we get, I got to get into this. What do you mean he lit himself on fire? Is he dousing himself with gasoline? What uh, lighter he? fluid. You know, okay, yeah. yeah. And see how long you can stay on fire before you put yourself out. <laughs> I mean... I mean, we had contests with the Philadelphia Flyers. How many beers you can drink standing on your head? Try it. Wow. Up against the wall. Trevor. Up against the wall. That's what you're doing after you this know, game. After this and episode. when you start thinking about that, that's tough, but you can do it. Wow. Yeah. But because you brought up the fire thing, the one thing that we had on our list of questions, somebody gave us a tip on asking you about, and, and 
the, the right when you said somebody on fire, I thought, oh, we, I got to ask him about this Michael Jackson party because that's another guy who lit himself on fire one time. Uh, I've heard you partied at Michael Jackson's house. Yeah, there there was a uh, quite a few places we partied, and there, you know, it didn't matter where we were; we were always the same. Uh, we'd go in very calm, but within an hour, it'd be pretty wild. Yeah, I don't want to go too deep into that party. <laughs> But is you were standing on your head drinking beers. But hold on, but hold on. Can I ask, is this Neverland Ranch? Uh, no, actually, it wasn't. Uh, this this is the, pre-Neverland. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you would have been way too old to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not as tight. <laughs> uh, I mean, have you thought about, though, because I, I find that, like the stories fascinating. You talking about people lighting themselves on fire, guy eating glass, all the you know smoking cigarettes before games. You know, and, and I am so intrigued by that. Have you ever thought about now that you've got now that you guys got one book out of the way? Have you ever thought about some of the the true stories that happen about going into a second book? Uh, well, we were talking a little bit about coming out with something called Life as a Contact Sport, which gets more engaged with how people interact with us. Yeah. So we're we're already kicking it around. Okay, this yeah. is this one's taken off pretty good. We're pretty excited about it. Uh, we had a good uh, set of pre-sales, and we've been invited to go out uh, do the tour, and uh, we're doing a lot of radio shows and things like that. It's been a real experience. But what's the most exciting thing about it is people. The people who appreciate where we're coming from, they they respect the Philadelphia Eagles or the NFL players, meaning fans, even though you're a Giants fan. Yeah. Uh, it's really funny. My daughter uh, has a, a daughter, or Eddie's daughter, my granddaughter, Izzy. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to her school, and it was a pajama and pancake day. And the grandfathers and some dads would put in their pajamas and go make pancakes for the kids. Well, one of the dads came in with a New York Giants uh, onesie. And it was like, really? I said, so you punched him. him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took my spatula and smacked him. No, I said, <laughs> he said, what was that for? He says, I'm an Eagles man. You know? <laughs> no, it's just, it's really funny. I love the, the fans. I love the cities that are engaged with it. I mean, that's the best. It, it brings the sport to another level. Without the fans, it would be nothing. Yeah. I mean, you guys are great. Yeah, well, that, that you know, that, that brings us to kind of the, the current state of the NFL. Uh, obviously, the, a lot of the... Uh, of the drama this year was in the protests and how the fans are reacting to all that stuff. As, mm-hmm. as a guy who played in the league, h- how do you feel about all that stuff that's going down and sort of the, the, the politicization of the, of the NFL? You know, my, my personal opinion is that we should not do our protesting at the games or anything involved with our work. If people came into my business... I have almost a thousand employees. I mean, and if somebody start protesting at our work, you would be fired. You would be you would be taken out. Human resources right. would take you out. Okay, and I get it, but there's a lot more platforms that NFL players can have outside the game, but not during the national anthem. Not um, you know, and and the guys say it's not about the national anthem, but why use that? Right. 
And and I guess, you know, uh, as somebody who watches this stuff, and I've always sort of been uh, on the side of guys who are, you know, using their right to free speech and saying, mm-hmm. like, but uh, I understand what you're saying. If somebody came into your work and did that, th- that would be a totally different thing. But then it always begs the question, like, why is the national anthem even part of Like, why are we having that? Why is this an opportunity? That's also something that wouldn't happen at your offices. You wouldn't make everybody stand up and say a Pledge of Allegiance, uh, I'm assuming, before they sit down at, uh, at their computer. Is that something that... We do that. You do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man. No wonder, yeah, really, we say God bless America, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, is, is it... What do you think about the idea that maybe... Like, they do the flyovers. They do the flag of the size of the field. Um, do you think that, you know, the opportunities... Or the, it's it's sort of giving players the opportunity to protest something by... Also, you're sort of doing a commercial for the military sort of before every football game at this now, point. Now, is it a commercial for the military or the commercial to our country that allows us to have these types of gatherings in so many cities at the same time. The freedom that came at the cost of so many deaths. Um, You know, it's all up to the individual and how they interpret it. It can be done either way. It's just like math. You can interpret numbers many different ways. And the same thing with this. And it's news, you know, and people want to talk about it. but, But basically... I'd like that I don't deal with religion, I don't deal with politics, and I try smart to respect, you know, our government because it's such a great place to live here. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's that's what maybe maybe we should do that a little more, Prano. That'll never happen, will it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> when Dennis is here, I'm just going, yeah, okay. Uh, he yeah. still looks like he kicked my ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I see you punch uh, a bouncer in the back? He could. Yeah. <laughs> b- b- before you leave, can I see you walk over to Townhouse and just punch that bouncer <laughs> just so I can just see it in real time? Oh, God. I got to tell you what, that w- it was great. In fact, the people that were with me jumped in, and afterwards, I never saw such a group of men they were so excited. I said, Denny. They go, Denny, this was the greatest night of my life. Greatest <laughs> night of my life. I said, what, get into a fight? He says, yeah, I haven't done this for years. <laughs> I mean, it's just like everybody would say, this was great. And it was funny. Where were you when that Russian guy was extorting $3,000 from us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm moving when in. We, when, we moved, when we moved Lauren here from North Carolina, moved her stuff, uh, we paid a guy $1,000 to move her stuff out here. But when he showed up, he wanted 2000 more. Right. And he was this big Russian guy. And he just said, I said, you said $1,000. And he said, it's 3000 now. And I said, I said 1000 You get 1000 And he said, see ya. Yep. <laughs> he goes, if you want all your stuff, it'll be in a storage container somewhere. And when you have the $2,000, you'll get it. And so I went, hold on. <laughs> Let me get someone to talk to you. So I went in. <laughs> I went in to get Mr. Franks, and he uh, he went out and talked to him. And uh, he came back, and I said, "You told him, didn't you?" He goes, "No, I got to get my checkbook." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we saw how the guy handled the knife yeah. with the cardboard box. Stupid. Yeah, I, the guy in the cab. I was gonna. I, the one guy was I talking to, but the guy in the cab. I didn't know what the hell was behind the door. <laughs> you know. Well, that's great. Well, can people follow you? They can follow you. Are you on social yeah, media? Yeah, I am. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. It's just Dennis uh, Franks. Just at, at Dennis, Dennis Franks? Franks? Yes. Okay. And guys, the last laugh, vision to victory. Why don't you hold it up for the camera? Yeah, that, that, that'll be good. 
Mm-hmm. I know a lot of you guys have struggles reading, but <laughs> it, it's a, Joe and I are stoked it, to read it. It looks like it's, you know, yeah. it doesn't have a ton of pages. No, so it's Jer- 200. Jer- Paul yeah. should be able to get through yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Dennis, we have a ton of Eagles fans. The reason I know this is because every time they win, they blow up our, we have a hotline, and they all want to talk trash to Joe. And tell me to kill myself. Uh, yes. Uh, so, so, do they do something like E A G L E S Eagles? <laughs> PTSD. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, in fact, your wife changed me to Dennis Franks. You're Dennis Franks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or are you Dennis J. Franks on Twitter? Uh, you know what? Why are you asking me these tough questions? Yeah. yeah. Well, Guys, because, because just I, go find, just go find yeah, him on Twitter. Yeah, Instagram. Find me if you can. Yeah. Find me if you can. Yeah, yeah. I'm the guy, you know. Okay, so it's Dennis J. Franks on Twitter. on Twitter. Thank you very much. There, I appreciate There we go, that. Trevor. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Trevor. In fact, you should get a raise. <laughs> we'll double it. We're going to double it. We'll double it. You get six items from our clothing sponsor a month now. Well, Dennis, it's been a pleasure and, and such an so amazing much. story. And I know Joe and I, we... I'm sure you, you have limited time, but we could go on forever on oh, some of this thanks. stuff. You guys were awesome. And uh, we're both excited to read the book. So, guys, The Last Laugh, Vision to Victory. Get it. Support Dennis. I know you guys are going to love this interview. Let him know how you feel on social media. And keep it, keep it somewhat clean, guys. Come on. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate well, it. Thanks, Dennis. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Have a great day. All right. I love that interview, Joe. I really do. And we've got to interview some great athletes, some great people on this show. But for me... I loved interviewing an older someone in, who played back in the day, for lack of a better term, just to hear those stories. Like it's amazing. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. We've we've had our fair share of name athletes on the show, and maybe there's a lot of guys, especially with the age of our audience, that don't remember uh, Dennis playing. Uh, don't remember his certainly maybe don't go back as far as his his college days, which I don't remember, but. Just talking to a guy about what the NFL was like, you know, when 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 I was like real, a young kid, is awesome, and uh, and I'm really excited to read his book. Honestly, uh, I I've, I've already started it uh, since we recorded this, and uh, it, it's fantastic. So go out there, get Dennis's book, buy it on Amazon, buy it on Shop.com, and uh, give it a read. Yeah, check it out, and uh, also. While you're reading his book, take a break maybe. Hop on uh, the social media and, and follow our boy Laz because he can't be here to promote himself. Yeah. I know he's Andy Lazarus on Twitter. And uh, he's at Venice Gaze on, uh, on Instagram. He G-A-Z-E. G-A-Z-E, correct. He wants everybody to follow the, the Venice Gaze story. And I got to tell you, when when I wake up on Sunday... You, a lot of times he'll be playing that 10 a.m. game or 11 a.m. game. He'll have like 40 stories for the Venice Gays going, and it's like I, I basically watch a whole baseball game on Instagram. It's kind but of but, fantastic. But make sure it's G A Z E because if you put Venice G A Y S, you'll get my old barber Dave. Yeah, a lot of different <laughs> stuff coming up. But you also have a something you wanted to maybe leak to the dirt balls. Yeah, if you haven't already. Uh, watched it on our YouTube channel. We have some very exciting news. Uh, I have been thusting this week. And uh, as as you say, thust, 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 uh, thust, thust, thust. I've set up a, uh, let's call it a Midwest Dirtball Meetup Weekend. I've been working on this for a couple of years. I really wanted to get to Chicago a uh, 
our, our analytics say we have a lot of people in Chicago. So we have a Chicago Dirty Sports Weekend planned. Uh, it starts, I believe it's Thursday, September 6th at the Comedy Bar in Chicago. We'll be doing a live podcast. That's actually the opening night of the NFL season. We're going to do a live podcast to kick off NFL season. I'll be headlining the Comedy Bar Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Andy will be doing spots on all the show, all the shows. Uh, we'll try to get in maybe a baseball game that weekend, maybe a White Sox game. I believe the Cubs are out of town until Monday, but maybe even a, a Cubs game on the end of the weekend. Basically, a sports bonanza. The beginning of football. Two different uh, Chicago baseball teams. A live podcast. A headlining comedy set. And who knows what else we're going to plan. I, I've just started getting the ball rolling on this, but I I love our Midwest dirt balls. You know how I feel about Chicago, the only city worth visiting in the Midwest. So How dare you? I'm bringing the dirty sports to Chicago. It's happening. September. First, first weekend of September. And I know it's way... It's a ways from now, I should say. Yeah, but you know what? But. I want people but, to block out that weekend right now. First weekend of September, mark your calendars, Dirtball Midwest meetup. Joe's making it happen and doing a lot of thusting over here. It's great, and we're going to make a great weekend out of it. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. You can go to JoePrano.com. Those dates are already up there. I'm not sure the show times are correct, but block it off on your calendar. Go to JoePrano.com for those shows. All my shows, obviously follow me on Twitter, at Fix Your Life, Instagram, Joe Prano. Follow us on Twitter, at The Dirty Sports. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. That's always important, Andy. It is. You can follow me at Andy Ruther. And once again, guys, go give Ricky Williams some love at Rick the Laureate on Twitter. That's R-I-C-K, the L-A-U-R-E-A-T-E. We'd love to get Ricky Williams on here, and hopefully we would not mess up that episode. So go tweet at Ricky Williams. Let him know you really want to do this 420 episode. And, uh, again, apologies for the sort of uh, mashed episode that you're listening to, all kinds of uh, recordings smashed together in one. If you want to see why this all happened, it's very easy. Go to the YouTube page. Watch the full video at the end. You'll see Trevor snap on me. And I have said that this is all karma for Trevor uh, forsakening me and turning his back on the only host that ever treated him with kindness. And, that is right. And, if And it, respect. If you ever want to see a little Prano Trevor beef, it happens on the Lost episode, which isn't Lost. It's on YouTube. Yeah. And you will also see Prano and the show with not the normal ending. That's true. Yeah. Another dirty sports bonus. So Dirtballs, thanks for sticking with us right now. Head on over to YouTube. Watch the full episode. Get just just you know what? It's Easter weekend. Get that dirty sports fill. Yeah. And since we're since I already did it once today, we'll end the show with condoms are for Trevor. <laughs>